Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. I say this every week. I am, I am so happy that we get to come and to be together again. Now, especially happy this week because last week... Um, I had to call in Pastor Justin last minute. You know, uh, I know a lot of people are afraid of COVID-19, but there's a stomach bug out there that you really need to be worried about too, okay? Just so you know, it's pretty awful. And uh, I wound up getting it because I'm around a lot of people. I had weddings last week and funerals and, and of course, preaching here on Sundays. Um, I had to get the COVID test. And uh, that was on last Saturday. And until my symptoms were gone, I was not allowed to be around a lot of people. So I missed you guys. How cool it was to be able to connect digitally last week with you and to worship right there from my living room. And it just, I tell you, in this season, I'll never take for granted again the idea that we get to meet together physically. I'm so grateful to be able to do that. And thankful for Pastor Justin, who, who stood in last week. It's not easy uh, just filling in last minute, but he did an incredible job, didn't he? Hey, if you were here last week, let's give it up. Pastor Justin doing a great job. Now, I want us to talk a little bit today, if I can get my stand to work here. There we go. I want to talk to you about one of my favorite um, items at my home, and it's this right here. This is my favorite trophies out of all the one that I have, and it's a, uh, it's a state championship trophy. Uh, back in 1999, I was a senior in high school, and uh, the Sevier County Smoky Bears wound up being the 5A state champions, and I got the joy to be a, a part of that team. Now, listen, you ought to see this trophy where it's displayed in my house. Uh, like every guy in here, right, you have an incredible trophy room. Mine's downstairs. In a box in my basement. And so I pulled this out just for today. And, uh, man, we'll tell you a little bit about that season that made it so special is that, man, it wasn't a great season. We had lost three regular season games. Uh, nobody, nobody believed that the most Smoky Bears from Sevier County would make it to Nashville. Nonetheless, win a state championship football game. But, man, we thought we just might. We, we were convinced. Nobody had told us that, and we were convinced. And so all season we had worked towards the prize of winning every game, although we came short several times, but also taking home the prize of being state championships. We worked hard. We studied film. We worked out hard. We practiced hard. And I'll never forget that December 1999, a cold evening in Nashville, and all of a sudden the time had ran its course in the game. And by the end of the game... The Sevier County Smoky Bears had more, more points on the board. And we were champions. I remember when they took the, the actual trophy itself, which is much bigger than this one, and they brought it to the team. And listen, we had faced so many obstacles that season, but we continued to press on. We continued to keep our eyes on the prize. And so when we got to the end and that ceremony where they presented us the trophy, man, I can't tell you the joy it was to take hold of the prize to see it, to take hold of it. And just to let my wife know, this is going on our fridge today, okay? It's not going back in a box. It's, it's on the fridge. We're going to put it on there. We're just going to mount it on the fridge somehow. Man, taking hold of the prize. You know what I begin to think, believer? In this entire conversation in Philippians, as we've been studying now the 16th message in three chapters, that when Jesus is at the center of our joy, when Jesus is our greatest joy, as believers in Christ, you ready? Here's what we do. You ready? We press on. 
we press on towards the price which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's what we do. We press on towards the prize. You ready? That brings about the greatest joy in this very life. In fact, Paul would write about this prize. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to go to verse number 12, and we're going to begin there. As Paul writes, and he begins to address this race that we run, this prize that is in sight. He would say this to the church. He would write this to the Philippian church. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all of this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on, he says, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet have taken hold of it. Well, you go to that passage, you go, attained all of what? What is all this attaining all about? And here's what we begin to see. That in the preceding verses that you and I studied a couple of weeks ago, the last time we were together, we see exactly what those goals are, those achievements are that Paul is aiming towards. He says this in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. So what Paul does here is he begins to write out, he begins to list for us the very goals of his faith in his life. Are you ready? To know Christ personally. Let me ask you, is it a goal of yours to know Jesus personally? Now, How do we know him uh, personally? You ready? There's two ways that we know Jesus personally. Number one, you got to know him on purpose. It doesn't just happen to you. You got to know Jesus purposefully. And number two, you got to follow him passionately. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That's what it means to know Christ personally. You got to do it on purpose. You got to follow him passionately. And that's exactly what Paul does in this text that describes his walk with Jesus Christ. This is how he knows him, the power of his resurrection fully in his life, to share in his suffering, to become like Jesus in his death, and to know eternal life, the resurrection of the dead in Jesus. But you know what I appreciate about Paul? I appreciate what he lays out on the table here. Because here's what he says, you ready? Man, I've not accomplished all this yet. My goals are not fully realized. I've not completed this task fully. You know what he's saying? Hey, hey church, I'm a work in progress. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know if you're like me, but so much of my life and my faith, I, I look at where I ought to be in Christ, where I need to be in Jesus, and I go, I just, man, I haven't arrived yet. And I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. There's so much more I can do. There's so much more I can be in Christ. I'm just not there yet. Have you ever come to a place in your life you go, you know, I just not arrived spiritually yet. Guess what? Paul is letting us in on this passage that you're in good company because he is there too. Man, I've not attained all of this already. He would write, he is a work in progress. You ready? And the key word in there is, is we're works in Progress. That means this, that we are progressing forward, that we are pushing forward, that we are pressing forward in our relationship with Christ, that we do want to know him more, the power of his resurrection, participate with him in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and also in the resurrection from the dead, eternal life in Christ. And how we get there is we press on. 
we press on. Paul would write, I love David Livingston, an incredible missionary in Africa. His work for the kingdom there still lasts to this day. Well, it was time for him to go back home to Great Britain. And people began to ask of him, the great missionary, hey, what are you going to do next? Where are you going to go next? And I love his response because really it's the response that we see here in Paul's life. What do we do next? And he writes this, David said, I am ready to go anywhere provided it's forward. Hey, I'm ready to go anywhere in this life provided it is forward. You ready? Paul is ready to go anywhere with Jesus provided it's forward. Hey, he doesn't want to backtrack in his relationship with Christ. He doesn't want to go backwards in his walk with Jesus Christ. And here's my question. Hey, church, are you really ready to go forward with Jesus? Are you ready to progress, to push, to press forward in your relationship with Christ? Refusing, refusing to go backwards in your walk with him. Well, for Paul, the answer is yes. I press on. Look at verse 12. He says, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know what I love about today's passage is that Paul invokes the imagery. Paul employs the imagery of an athlete, specifically of a sprinter who would run in various Greek games. You know, running was a a sport that I really don't appreciate much, but, but people really do. And especially back in the Roman days, it was a sport that captivated the entire Roman Empire. Now, the word press Paul uses in the text describes a sprinter who is running a race in these Greek games. And watch this, you ready? With everything he has, all of his strength, all of his stamina, all of his determination. And Paul says this, hey, listen, that's what my race looks like in Christ. That is what my faith in Jesus looks like. A runner who is giving everything he has to win the prize. That's what my faith looks like. You know, I think of Jesus. You know what Jesus did so good? Jesus took hold of Paul. You ready? To save him, to sanctify him, to satisfy him, to secure Paul's eternity, and yes, to send Paul into a world that is lost and dying apart from Christ. That's why Jesus took hold of Paul. And church, let me share with you the good news today. That's exactly why Jesus is taking hold of you. To accomplish the same in your life. To put you in to the race that he has drawn up, that he has marked out for you and for me. Paul goes on to write this. He says this in verse 13, but one thing I do in a world where multitasking is king. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. Hey, let's just stop here for a moment and appreciate something. I wonder if here in verse 13, we, we, see, we get a glimpse through a window into Paul's life. We get a small glimpse into maybe Paul's struggle at times to, to press on in his faith. Imagine with me the haunting of his past sins 
his past failures, his past mistakes. I wonder if he thought insecurities preaching a gospel that he had once persecuted passionately. I wonder if at times, and if you know Paul's story at all, I wonder if at times Paul struggled with the thought of bowing out when his race got hard when he was treated badly, when he was imprisoned falsely, when he was beaten because of his love for Jesus. I wonder, as the race got hard in his life, I wonder if there are times he thought about bowing out. I wonder in Paul's life, if there are times where he said, you know, I just wish I was a bystander. I'd get on the sidelines and get out of the race around, just watch it go on. And yet every time, Every time we read a letter of his like Philippians, every time in Acts when we watch his story, his race become hard. Every time we see Paul, he's pressing on. And he does it by doing this. He focuses on one thing, but one thing I do, he focuses in on one person, and that's Jesus. That's Christ. And so church, here's the question. And how is it that you and I press on? Well, Paul lets us into it. He lets us in on it. You ready? We press on by forgetting what is behind. By forgetting, he writes, what is behind. Hey, we know this. No man or woman by their own accord can completely forget their past. And we just aren't capable of doing that. It's not in our gift set to do. No one of their own accord, can forget their past. But you know what? What Paul's calling us to do here is not a call to purge our past, to purge our memories from our mind. But you ready? But to put our eyes on the prize. This is a call not to let our past distract us, but what lies ahead in front of us. You know, the word to forget here in Scripture means this. You ready? To no longer be influenced by or affected by something. What Paul's conveying here is forgetting what is behind means that you and I are no longer distracted. We are no longer derailed by what has happened in our past. Why? Because church, here's some points we can celebrate today. Why? Because your past, my past in Christ is forgiven. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 103, 12. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Our sins are forgiven. They are forgotten. Look at Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, their sin. And he says this, I will remember their sins no more. Now imagine with me just for a moment. What if Paul couldn't get past his past? What if Paul couldn't move past his sins, holding the coats of men who would stone to death the first Christian martyr in Christ? What if he couldn't just get past it? Ready? We wouldn't even know his name today. He would have been lost to history. But you know what's amazing about Paul and his story? Is instead of giving into the pain of his past, he chose to press on 
of surprise. He chose to press on. And the question goes, how do you and I press on from a past that haunts us, that maybe still hurts to this day? You ready? And it's as simple as this. If God has forgiven and forgotten our past, isn't it time that you and I press on and we start forgiving and forgetting our past? Let me put it this way. If God can get past your past, isn't it time that you try to get past your past and to press on? Billy Graham would say this, one of Satan's most effective ways of blocking God's work is to convince us God can't use us to make an impact for Christ because of our past. Hey, let me, let me just share this with you, church. And you know this to be true. And we all look pretty good this morning. But the truth of our lives is that we all have pasts that are painful. That are shameful in some spots. That are sinful. Parts of our past that you ready? You and I will never go back to. Parts of our past that we should do everything to forever turn from. But in Christ, through his Cross through the forsaking of our, our sins. You ready, church? Our past is forgiven and forgotten. Your past is forgiven and forgotten because of Christ. I read the story back all the way in May 6, 1954. Roger Bannister was the first man to run a mile under four minutes. I was the ninth person. He was the, he was the first, though to run in under four minutes. Two months later, John Landy broke his record by 1.4 seconds. Doesn't that just tick you off a little bit? Just shattered his record. So they decided in August of 1954, on August 7th, that these two men, Bannister and Landy, would meet together and there would be this epic race to see who really was one of the fastest men in the world, and so they met together. And as soon as the race started, Bannister fell behind, and John Landy kept the lead for the majority of the race. In fact, he was in the lead on the last lap. But as John Landy recounted the story, he said there was one question that kept haunting him. Where's Bannister? Where's Bannister? I can't see him. Where is he? And a picture that was taken that very day. John Landy looks back on the last lap of the race to see if he could see Bannister somewhere behind him. And that allowed Bannister the opportunity to take the lead, to win the race, and to take home the prize. Hey, Time Magazine caught up with old John Landy, asking him about the race, and Landy said this, if I hadn't stopped and I hadn't looked back, I'd have won the race. I'd have won the race. You know what Paul's telling us to do here, believer? Stop looking back. Run your race and press on. Stop looking back. Run your race. Believer and press on. 
The author of Hebrews reminds us of this, and I love this because as we run this race, sometimes we're convinced we're alone. But the Word of God says something very differently. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I love this. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Hey guys, we're hearing a description of how Jesus pressed on in the race that God had marked out for him. How Jesus pressed on for us. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the very throne of God. You know what? Paul was able to press on because someone pressed on for him. That someone, Jesus. And hey, hear me, church, you ready? And Jesus pressed on for you. I think of his story. I think he was falsely accused and unjustly arrested, and yet he pressed on. He was nearly beaten to death, and yet he pressed on. They put a cross upon his broken back, and yet he pressed on. They put nails in his hands and his feet, and yet he pressed on. They put him on a cross and killed him, yet even through death he pressed on. They put him in a grave, and yet three days later he pressed on, and he won the prize. And let me let you in on what that prize is. You ready? You and me, our salvation, the prize that he gets to take hold of us. I love my trophies. Seriously, Aaron, I'm going to beat you home. I'm putting all of them on the fridge somehow. This is plastic and wood, and through the years, look, the whole thing moves. The prize Jesus pressed on for is so much more than anything this world has to offer. The prize is you. We press on, not only forgetting what is behind, but Paul says this, straining towards what is ahead. Now, imagine with me, if you would, the Greek sprinter nearing a finish line, engaging every muscle, every fiber of his being, bending forward in order to win the race, to capture the victory, to take hold of the prize. That is the picture of straining forward that Paul writes about in this text. That would be conjured up in the minds of the Philippians who are reading this letter. Hey, believer, with every fiber of our being, strain, a strain together, towards the prize for which Christ has called us heavenward. I love what A.W. Tozer, a, a wonderful man of God in the last generation, he wrote this. He said, a true disciple, but in our context, the true runner, does not consider Christianity a part-time commitment. He has become a Christian in all parts of his life. He has reached the point to where there is no turning back. I love that. He has reached the point to where there is no turning back. You ready? Believer, we press on. We forget what is behind. We strain towards what is ahead because you know what? We have found out that there is no turning back when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. I have watched 
as the pastor of Connect Church, I have watched some of your husbands abandon you. And yet you press on. I've watched you bury loved ones in pieces of your hearts with them. And you've pressed on. I have watched you battle disease and diagnoses, depression, and yet you press on in Jesus. I've watched your children break your very hearts. And yet you press on in your faith in Christ. I've watched even a pandemic threaten your business and your livelihood. And yet you have pressed on in your faith in Jesus. And the question comes, why as believers, why do we press on? You ready? Because there is no turning back. We strain forward. With every fiber of our being, we press on. And here's the reason why. You ready? Because the prize is far greater than the pain you and I feel, have felt, or will feel one day running this race. Why do we press on? Because the prize is far greater than the pain you and I know running this race. Hey, speaking of this prize, after a runner in the Greek games, once they won the race, it's a really neat ceremony, pageantry. They would be taken to a high platform that stood above all the people, an exalted platform. And there they would be brought into the presence of the judge. Every runner wanted to be in the presence of the judge because that's where they received their prize. Great celebration, great pageantry when it came to these games. Now, if you were part of the Olympic Games, you would receive a crown that was made out of a wreath. Maybe you're part of the Greek Games and you would receive a trophy, and in that trophy it would be a clay pot. It would have depictions of Greeks running races, and, and you might have a trophy that was filled with olive oil that would be a very wealthy commodity of the day. In fact, there was such tr a trophy unearthed around 320 A.D., so within just a couple of generations of, of Paul writing this letter to the church at Philippi. And they would unearth this trophy in Athens, and here's what it looked like. Let's see here. Right here. This is a depiction of Greek men running a race. Now, I'm not really good at computer stuff, but I had to Photoshop in some blue jean shorts. These are not of the time period because the Greeks ran a little differently than we do, praise God. Um, in fact, if you want to draw a lot of attention, run around your neighborhood like a Greek did. Um, but because we are family friendly and I want a job, I, I Photoshopped in some blue jean Shorts on, on these men. I, honestly, I just look at them and go, that's exactly what I look like. These are Greek runners who are running in a race on a trophy that would have been filled with oil for the prize, for the prize winner, for the winner of the race. Here's what I got to thinking about the prize. You see, believer, upon the completion of our race, you and I by faith, we are ushered into the presence of the King of Kings. And there we, we fix our eyes on the prize. 
a prize far greater than some clay pot, a, a, a prize far greater than some crown. Hey, listen, a prize far greater than anything this world has to offer. You see, when we are ushered into the presence of the King of Kings, we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is our forever prize. He is the reason we run this race. <laughs> he is the reason we press on. But Athey, what happens when the race is just too hard? What happens when the race that is this life is too painful? Tuesday morning, I was getting ready to take my kids to school. And I got a phone call really early that morning. And when you're a pastor, a phone call late at night or really early in the morning is never good news. I picked it up. And I learned of a terrible tragedy that not only hit our community, but hit our church directly. I dropped my kids off at school and I went over to the scene of, of this tragedy, the scene of the crime. And there I hugged the neck of, of Trish. Now, you may not know Trish, but you know her face. She's one of our ministry assistants here at Connect Church. She does a great job for us. We love Trish. I've known her my whole life. She was one of my youth workers when I was growing up. She, she helped take care of me when I was growing up. But you know what? Tuesday morning was just too hard. I held Miss Trisha, she cried, and I held her precious mom. Her mom, who had just moments before witnessed the tragic death of her own daughter before her very eyes. We cried and held on to him and hugged him. I remember thinking, knowing I was preaching this today, the race is too hard. It's, it's too painful. This week we have walked with this precious family as a church. Another one of family members, Trisha's nephew, Casey, whose mama was the one killed in that tragedy, sits right back here if he's not working on security every Sunday morning. He lost his mom. And in every interaction I've had with him, whether it was the crying scene or a home that they were shuttered in, for a season because they needed to make sure they were safe. You know what I found? I found a family that was hurting in every other way. I found a family that was running a race that was way too hard. But more importantly, I find a family that was pressing on. That were pressing on with the backdrop of the greatest tragedy that had ever hit their family. And they were pressing on in their faith in Jesus. They had experienced terrible tragedy, unimaginable pain, an indescribable suffering. They're pressing on through tears, through questions, through fear, through uncertainty, through the hurt and the pain. They're pressing on. The day after Trisha's sister, her life was taken by her own son. Trish went to social media 
she posted this and if you don't believe me that she was pressing on listen to what she wrote this is tragic this is gut-wrenching this is horrific this shattered me but the truth is I have hope in, in Jesus hey you see there on the onset this race is too hard but I press on she writes this I will miss my sister beyond incomprehensible depths she loved her children all her children with such great passion she gave all to them she sacrificed everything when they had a need she walked and I love this she walked with them in their struggles and she danced with them in their triumphs and listen I've known Pan for so many years and she did just that such a wonderful mom and they all returned the same love to her truly truly appreciated all she had done for them in the past year or so Trish writes she walked with Josh stood beside cried for him and was broken-hearted because she couldn't fix him no one here on earth could fix him and I've known Josh for many years and yes, at times she was terrified of the mental illness he suffers from that takes root in his soul and uses his body as an instrument for its evil. Yesterday will forever be in my mind. What I saw, what I did, what it took from us. A precious, beautiful, kind, selfless, passionate mom, sister, and daughter. There are no do-overs or take-backs here. It is done. Trish saw what no sister should ever have to see. Her precious mama saw what no mama should ever have to see. Trish writes, what I love about Pam is that she forgave a lot. And I believe that she forgave Josh, her son, in spite of her terror, before she took her last breath. And Trish writes, so you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive him. I love him. I've not stopped praying for him. He's not a monster, the disease is. And then she quotes Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here's how she ended her post. My sister rose up above so much. You know what she was saying? My sister pressed on. My sister pressed on. Every time I've sat with that family this week, I've seen such great brokenness. But none of them willing to bow out. All of them pressing on. Forgetting what is behind as much as they can and straining forward to the prize, which is Jesus. They are pressing on. Today's Trisha's birthday. And as soon as I'm done here, we're going to go over to Ashley's and we're going to plan out her sister's celebration of life service. That shouldn't have to be what Trish does today on her birthday. This race is too hard sometimes. But because of Jesus, 
because of the price he is to everyone who names his name. We're going to sit there and she and Casey and her family and Sarah and her mother, they're going to press on. They're going to refuse to bow out of this race that God has marked out for them. Let me ask you something, church. Why have you bowed out? Why have you stopped running? Some of you are in search for a joy that you cannot find because somewhere along your race, it got too hard, it was too difficult, and you stopped running. Some of you along some point has decided, you know what, I'd rather just be a bystander. I'd rather just sit on the sidelines instead of running the race that God has marked off for you. The challenge of Paul to the Philippian church as he penned this letter is the very same challenge from God to every believer today. Do not bow out. Do not let up. Do not look behind. Press on. Press on in your faith in Jesus. Let's pray together. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.